everybody? How are you doing? Yeah, how many of you expected the snow? How many expected a shovel this morning? Like, that was, that was a little bit of a surprise. I did not. I woke up, and I'm actually glad you're here. I get a little discouraged. I love the snow, but I get a little discouraged. I'm like, oh, people are not going to show up because of the snow, and I'm going to be so annoyed. <laughs> but you're here, and I'm glad, and everything's wonderful, and winter wonderland, and we only have, I don't know, how many days do we have till Christmas? 20, 21. So if you want to know, Patty's your person. Or friend her on Facebook, and you'll find out that way, too. Anyway, we are very, very glad to have all of you here this morning, and uh, we're in part three of a sermon series that we started a few weeks ago, and I'm kind of going to recap that uh, just a little bit to let you know uh, what we're doing. But we're, we're sort of, um, br- we're looking at a, a narrow focus, but it's got a much broader focus, much broader application. But we're talking about the idea of how would Jesus celebrate the holidays? In, in other words, or how do we celebrate the holidays with the values of Jesus? Because as you know, this time of year has both like tremendous good and probably tremendous uh, negativity. Um, so we, we kind of, and what I mean by that is like all the consumerism, you know, the kind of the Black Friday stuff. There's that negative part of it too, but it's also got tremendous good. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. I mean, we've got all that stuff. But if Jesus were, were with us to celebrate just any holiday, like how do, would we celebrate that with the values of Jesus? Um, and, and the dilemma is, is in the pr- pursuit of like a perfect holiday season, you can make yourself and the people around you miserable. In the pursuit of a perfect holiday season, you can make yourself and the people around you miserable. So two weeks ago, we talked about what do we do when people disrupt our carefully laid plans. We've got this ideal Thanksgiving, this ideal Christmas, this ideal whatever holidays you celebrate, Arbor Day, I don't know, this ideal Arbor Day plan, and you've got everything down just to the last little detail, and somebody comes in and kind of messes it up. But, but that's true for life, right? What do you do when somebody comes in and messes up? A person comes and messes up your carefully laid plans. Last week, Jordan talked about the idea of what we do when we kind of play that comparison game. So when we look at our holidays, our lives, our families, our house, our money, our stuff compared to other people, like what good comes from that? And the ultimate point is no good comes from that. The only person we should compare ourselves to is Christ or people who are like Christ in the pursuit of being like Christ. So this week, I want to I propose this idea. We don't pay as much attention to people as we think we do. We don't pay as much attention to people as we think we do. Now, see, you're, some of you are thinking, well, I pay attention to people. But that's just the premise, right? As you think you do. So you think you pay more attention than you actually do. And I kind of want to give you an example of, uh, of that idea of what it means to not pay uh, attention to people around us. And I got a video that kind of sets up this premise. It's a person who's asking for directions, and then there's this moment in this uh, interaction between the person asking for directions and the person giving it where he switches himself out with another person and tries to find out whether or not that, that person realizes it's a whole different person they're having a conversation with. So I know you guys would never fall prey to this, but I want to show you this. Yeah, just how much people don't pay attention to the people around Ah, great. Well, 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 
I know you would never do that. You're the exception. You would never notice. I actually had this whole great scheme planned this morning. I was going to wear one shirt during that video. I was going to change it and come up and be like, ha, I caught you. Uh, but I spilled coffee all over the front of that shirt. So I had to wear my backup anyway, and it didn't work. I was, so, I was so bummed. And you're sitting here thinking, I would have known. I almost thought about wearing the coffee stain shirt too, but whatever, you know. But I, I think that's true. Now, I realize this plays into our personalities quite a bit, right? So there's people who, who really notice details. There's people who really don't. I get that. But I think kind of generally speaking, we don't pay as much attention to people as we think we're paying um, to them. Um, and, and, I think that, and I think this is true, even important people, even people that matter to us, even family members. And at times, I would probably argue, especially family members, we don't pay as much attention to them. We're around them all the time. We can kind of engage with them while we're doing something else. I don't think we pay as much attention to people as we think we do. And there's lots of reasons to ignore, dismiss, kind of pass people by, even during the holidays, even during the goodwill on earth, peace toward men. We get busy and we only have so much bandwidth to offer the world around us. There's only so much processing that we can do. And it's not that we ignore people. It's not that we're just like ignoring them. We're just not, we're not giving them our full attention. Now, my wife this morning is really paying attention to this sermon. You know why? Because she knows that I am public enemy number one when it comes to this. I am that guy that she'll say something. I'll be like, wait, what? Huh? Or I'll ask a question. She'll answer it. And then I'll ask it again a few minutes later. Like I, you know, that's gotta be the number one thing, uh, some people hate. I, my wife might be on that list. I'm not exactly sure. Um, and I was talking about this topic with my, with my brother, Michael, and I talked about this idea, this sermon, and he was like, you're the worst at that. You know that, right? <laughs> and I was like, come on, Michael, I got to preach about this. I have to have some moral credibility, and you're like, you're making me insecure. He goes, no, you're really, you're terrible at this. You're the worst. He didn't really double down that much. But uh, he said, uh, in fact, he told me this story, and I didn't remember the story, which is kind of case in point, but he told me the story that I wanted to share with you. Uh, so a while back, my dad had gotten injured in some way. He had this gash across his forehead, kind of this nasty looking gash as if he got in a, like a tussle with, you know, the jets or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? It was just some sort of like just nasty looking scab right, right across his forehead. And people would ask him, John, what happened? And he would say, oh, you know, nothing, or I heard it, or whatever. He wouldn't give anybody any details. It was kind of a mystery, like, well, so is mom treating you okay? Like, what's, <laughs> what's going on? You know, it was, it, was, it was very strange. So my dad, my brother, and I were all in the car, and we were driving somewhere, and I, I was the one driving, and I'm driving along, and I was like, Dad, what, what happened to your head? Like, what ha- it's nasty. What happened to your head? And my dad you know, because it's my brother and I, he's like, okay, well, here's the story. And I don't know the circumstances exactly, but it did involve my mom in some way. He was getting something out of a trunk or something like that. And my mom shut it or a door or something like that. Now my mom's saying no, but <laughs> like, if I don't remember things, where, who did I inherit it from? Like, what, one of, my dad, actually, honestly, of my dad. 
Um, but anyway, so whatever happened, whatever happened, there was something that happened, right? And I was like, you know, Dad, that's not a bad story. Why don't you tell people what happened? That's not, why, why just, just tell people? And so he was like, well, you know what? People, people don't really care. Well, it's kind of a sad premise. He's like, well, no, no, no. People, you know, they've just got their own lives, their own thing. They're asking to be polite. People don't really care. They're not really paying attention. And you don't have to go into a bunch of detail about what's wrong with you and your ailments and complaints. And you don't have, people just aren't really paying attention to you. They're paying attention to other things, their own things. This is true. I'm driving away. Michael's kind of right here in between listening to this conversation. My dad's over here. And my dad's talking about how people don't pay attention. And me, no irony here, nothing. I'm like, wait, what were you saying, Dad? You're talking about what? People not paying attention. And my brother tells me this story that, like, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't joking with him. I had stopped paying attention to his essay, his thesis about people not paying attention because they got their own things going on. Because I'm public enemy number one, and I get that. I get that, and I understand that maybe I'm worse at this than a lot of people, but I know it's not just me. It's not. It's not just a personality thing. There's that Pavlovian call of the cell phone, right? You're having a conversation with somebody, and they can not stop like looking at their cell phone every time it buzzes. They just can't. I got one of those cool watches that notifies you when you've got a text or when you've got an email or whatever. I'm not wearing it today, but I got one of those cool watches because I thought that'll be better because when my cell phone buzzes, I could just kind of glance down at my watch and I can see, oh, I can ignore that or it's just, you know, it's a text or it is important or whatever. But now what happens, and this is true, I forgot to wear it this morning, but now what happens is somebody will be talking to me and they'll be like, yeah, it's just been a really rough time. My mom's in the hospital and I'll get a buzz and I'll do this number. And they're like, what? Do I not matter? Is my mom not important? They don't actually say that, but I'm communicating to them that I've got, you know, this 20% off at Old Navy is more important than the story about their mother being in the hospital. I think it's all of us. And, and the, the premise I, wanna, I, I want to work with this morning, the thing that I want us to just take away, the thing I want us to know, and this has really affected my life this week, uh, as I've been working on this, and I, I hope it does going forward. But the thing that's really kind of transformed my interactions this week is this idea. Uh, it's really two things, but, but we're going to capture it in one idea. There are no dismissible people. There are no dismissible interactions. There are no people we just get to pass by. There are no people we just get to, you know, give the minimum amount of attention to while we're doing something else. There's nobody that is that below us or beneath us or that unworthy of our attention. Nobody, no matter who. And this is a good reminder when you're shopping and when you're interacting with, with friends or neighbors or kids, family members. This is a good thing to remember. And this is important too because we feel like there are a lot of dismissible interactions like certain moments just don't mean anything and we just move on from them. There are no dismissible inter- interactions. I'm not saying that every interaction rises to this certain level, but there's nothing that we just, there are just no throwaway interactions. Um, some of your best memories were when someone paid special attention to you. Those are some of your best memories. If you can go back to when you were a kid, you can remember, oh yeah, that time that my dad took me, just me, you know, we had a family of 12 and he took just me to, you know, the, the movie, just me. I got that special attention. Or my mom took me out to dinner. Those are the best, like, memories of your life. The, the, probably the worst memories are when someone overlooked you or passed you by or ignored you or treated you like you didn't matter. I mean, that's the extremes of what we're talking about. There are no dismissible people and no dismissible interactions. 
We even use attention as a tool of manipulation, don't we? When you're a kid, right, you know, if somebody doesn't do what you want them to do, you're not, you're not, you're not digging what their, their behavior, you give them the cold shoulder. Silent treatment, come on. Don't you remember fifth grade? Come on. You give them the silent treatment, and you want them to come running. What's wrong? Is everything okay? What did I do, right? That's the tool of manipulation, the fact that I'm not giving you my attention, my lack of attention. There are no dismissible people. There are no dismissible interactions. We're going to look at four scriptures, and I'm going to ask some guys that I uh, asked to come up and read these scriptures for you, some of the youth group uh, kids. But uh, four scriptures in Matthew, I'll have them on the screen as well. But if you guys want to go ahead and come up, I got reading for them to do. They're going to do such a good job. Look at these guys, aren't they? Aren't they the best? Oh, there, there. Yeah, that's right. Big round of applause. Good looking, strapping young men. All right. So I want to give you four examples from the life of, uh, of Jesus where he did exactly what we're talking about. You guys are really close together. This is a pretty big stage. You're fine. You, if you're comfortable, that's, that's great. All right. So uh, we're hopefully going to go in order. So I gave you this one, that one. Let's see. I think you two are out of order. There you go. There you go. All right. All right. Just go ahead and read those, and you can follow along on the screen. I might stop you here and there, but you know how we do in class. Go ahead, Andrew. Just this short little interaction, just real quick, just this really, you know, nothing much. We read stories like that all the time, but it's significant. It's significant that this person with a skin disease, that Jesus touched this person. That's significant, that Jesus paid attention to this person that most people shunned and put outside the city, that Jesus stopped and gave this person that didn't get any attention, attention, and not just that, but touched him. That's pretty impressive. Next scripture, Matthew. So in this passage, the, the Pharisees, the scribes are asking, why don't you reject people? That's what, essentially what they're asking. They didn't ask it that way, but they're saying, why don't you reject people? I mean, why don't you ignore those people? Those are ignorable people. Those are dismissible people. In fact, you communicate your spirituality to the world by ignoring those people. And Jesus didn't. That's pretty significant. That was something, that was a way that they had not been used to being treated. All right, Drew, next passage. Now, we, we, this is not relatable, right? We would never, like little kids, they get special attention. We love little kids. Little kids are the most important thing. I mean, we, 
you know, but in their society, not so. Little kids, get out of here. Scram. The disciples were like, get out of here, little kids. You know, I mean, this is a teacher. He's important. Little kids are not important. And Jesus, in fact, in one of the other Gospels, it says Jesus was indignant at his disciples. He said, come on, guys, you, you guys don't understand. These little kids, they matter just as much as anybody else in the kingdom. The kingdom is filled with people like these. These are not rejectable, dismissible people. Uh, next, next passage, if you would, Ben. So in these guys' case, the, the crowd thought, man, you did something wrong with your life that God cursed you with blindness. There's something wrong with you. You need to get out of the way. You're not as important as everybody else. And so these, these blind people calling Jesus and, and the crowd is like, get out of here. You're not important enough. And Jesus stopped and pays attention to them. Um, we're going we're gonna to look at a couple of scenarios, but I, you guys go ahead. You can go ahead and sit down. Thank you very much for reading. Good job. Excellent reading skills. Your teachers would be proud. But these are people that were dismissible people in this, in this century. You didn't have to make time. You could brush them off. You could hurry by. You didn't have to make eye contact. You didn't have to respond to their requests. You could have a conversation with them in passing while you were scrolling through your Facebook feed or responding to somebody on, by text or Snapchat or whatever. These were people that you could even, even show some contempt. They didn't even rise to the level of like the common decency around you. Now, this is, this is unrelatable for us because we would not treat someone who's sick. We understand the idea of sinners, tax collectors, whatever. That's not as big of a deal in our society. Children, disabled people. These are people for whom we give special attention today for the most part. There are exceptions, right? There are, these are not people that we can relate to. These are not categories that we can relate to just dismissing. Like, come on, get out of here, kids. Although, remember when you were a kid and you felt like overlooked and passed over? I mean, it, it does happen. But it, it, it's hard to relate to those categories because they're not the ones that we would dismiss. But it made me ask this question. Who are our dismissible people? Who are our dismissible people? And I know you're thinking, well, nobody. I, I pay special close attention to everybody in my life. Who are our dismissible people? Who are our lepers and kids and blind people and tax collectors and sinners? I... Uh, I get together with a group of upperclassmen on Monday nights, and I was thinking through that question of, like, who are my dismissible people? Who are the people that I don't pay attention to, that I just kind of brush off, that I would say, hey, you know, get out of here, or scram. I mean, that doesn't even sound like my personality, but who are, what, this question of, of who would I just kind of overlook and dismiss? So I asked this group of upperclassmen, juniors and seniors, as we were getting together, like, who are the people that we might struggle, like, kind of feeling like we need to relate to or that we need to give special attention to? And they had some uh, pretty uh, interesting answers, and I want to share a few of them with you, and these are a few that I've asked other people during the week, so these are not all just the upperclassmen, in case you're like, oh, those upperclassmen are terrible people. Don't don't feel like that. Um, But these are some of the answers that they gave. Adults? Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Might be some of your kids. Adults, uh, they're just, you know, I don't, I don't relate to them. You know, what, what am I supposed to say to an adult when they come talk to me? Uh, I, I try to get out of those interactions. Kids, <laughs> you know, they're short, they're in the way, you trip over them, you know, come on. Uh, strangers, 
People you don't know, I don't want to sit and get cornered by some stranger and have a conversation with somebody in line that I don't know. Family members? <laughs> I mean, those are kind of easy to dismiss too, right? Because they're always with you. That sibling, mom is all, remind, all the time, mom, I know, I suppose to clean my, or whatever. Like, I know, I know, just kind of just dismiss. Uh, um, and in fact, they, they were able to come up with an even more extensive list. People who complain, people who are pretentious, people who brag, people who are rude, are annoying, aren't useful, people who voted for. <laughs> people who didn't vote. People who are incompetent at their job, that clerk that's just not getting it, and you got somewhere to be, that barista that just can't get it figured out. No, I ordered a half soy latte dry chai mocha, whatever. You know, they're just not getting it. Come on, get it. People who think too much of themselves, people who are chronically insecure and needy, people who are always fishing for compliments, people who are condescending, people who want from me more than I want to give, people who aren't interested in me, people who I'm not interested in. Now, I don't know if you could relate to any of those categories, but I tell you, once we started rolling, it became pretty easy to identify a bunch of dismissible people in our lives. Even for someone who likes people like myself, it became pretty easy to find people that I thought it was easy to dismiss, to rush past, to to not interact. Now, two observations about this list. First of all, that's pretty much everybody. (laughs) Right? Everybody fits into this category on some level. Secondly, we, just like those first century century Israelites, tend to place people in categories and we decide how we're going to interact with them based on what category we've placed them in. Is this someone that deserves my time and attention or is this someone who does not? Our categories are different, but the result is the same. We pick and choose who we're going to give time and attention to. We were having this conversation in a coffee shop, and of course, one of the examples came up was, was barista, and uh, we brought up all sorts of these interaction, interactions, but as we were leaving, the barista in the coffee shop said uh, to our group, you know, we all put our coats shuffled out, big group, and uh, the barista said, hey, thanks for coming in, uh, you know, have a good evening, and all of us, because we're all like kind of hyper aware, the whole group was like, no, no, thank you for making us coffee and giving us your time and attention. They were all like trying to, you know, do exactly the right thing. But there are no dismissible people. There are no dismissible interactions. And I think this is true based on those scriptures we read. Jesus acted like everyone was important and every interaction mattered. He acted like that. And this is why. Because Jesus acted like as if he actually thought everyone was created in the image of God. Everyone. The barista, the family member, the person who voted for that person you didn't like, the, 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 the person who feels like they're incompetent at your job and, and slowing you down, the coworker, the other driver on the road. Jesus acted like these people that were annoying and frustrating and pretentious and condescending and rude and occupied more of our time than we wanted to give were actually created in the image of God. And we can say that we believe that, but unless that be- belief starts making its way into our behavior, then I don't know that we actually believe that God created everyone in his image. We might believe he created us. We might believe he created a few special people around us, but not everyone. There are no dismissible people, no dismissible interactions. Paul said this in Romans chapter 12, verse 16. He said, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. I know it's, a, it's an interesting phrase because we would never, hopefully, never think in terms of classism like that. But, but what could we, you know, you, you might feel like, oh, I'm like Garth Brooks, man. I got friends in low places. But, but maybe your problem is people who you feel like have more money than you. 
You don't want to give them time and attention. People who drive a nicer car than you. People who feel like you feel like have a better job than you do. What, what category would we put in that place? C.S. Lewis said something that I, I just loved, and it just pops into my mind every once in a while, but he says, there are no ordinary people. You have never interacted with a mere mortal. Wow, think about that next time you're ordering coffee. Think about that next time you're in line and the person in front of you is in the, the, the 10 items or less and they've got 12 items and they're paying by check and they're not really paying attention and the clerk has to call the manager over and you're in a hurry. Think about that. There are no mere mortals. Everyone is created in the image of God. Now, what I'm talking about might cause a little anxiety for you. I think a lot of you are thinking like, okay, great, Patrick, that's nice. Good thoughts. I'm going to go out and get lunch and then I'm going to just ignore the waiter or waitress or whatever. You're not thinking that, but that's, that's what's going to happen, right? Because this, be, uh, this might cause a little anxiety. You, you have one of those, those objections. You have one of those buts. And, and I almost said you have a big but, but I, I don't want to say that at church. You, you, you have an objection, right? You have an objection to this situation. Some of you are like, oh my goodness. Like, Patrick, you, it's there. I don't know. I'm 12. But this, this idea... This concept I know causes anxiety for you. I know that. I, I get that. Because I'm there too. I get that. And, and there's probably a few things that you really get worried about. Like, wait, if I'm supposed to give attention to people, that like, there's people who are just going to drain me dry. Like, I got stuff to do. I got other responsibilities. So, so I just got a few objections I want to go over briefly with you as we talk about this idea. Because this is my fear that we talk about. Everybody's created in the image of God, and you walk right out of here, and you treat people just like you've always been treating people because of these objections that you have. So let me, let me just address these real quick. Num- number one, um, what if, what if I, I, I get cornered? What if I get cornered? We're not, we're not quite there yet, Michael. Michael's my brother, and he's running the slides. Good job, though. Way, way, to, way to keep us rolling there. Now you know the secrets of my sermon. Um, objection is, what if I get cornered? You know, what about those people that take up too much time and attention? And we don't have nearly as many conversations on the phone that we used to, right? You know, some of you bemoan that. You're like, I just, I love the phone conversation. Forget this tech stuff. But do you remember when somebody would call you and, and you couldn't get off that call, right? And you had all these like social cues and you said, well, hey, it's been nice talking to you. And they just didn't pick up on that. Well, I got to go. And they didn't just, it didn't register. And back in the day when you were actually tethered to the wall, you like actually couldn't go do other things. And you couldn't get off this call and you didn't know what to do and you didn't want to be a jerk. And so how do you get off this interaction? How do you get out of this interaction with someone that's just got you cornered? And this happens more than just phone calls. I actually... This is so bad. I was, I was so frustrated with someone one time that I couldn't get off the call that I hung up on them. Now, you're like, well, it's not that big of a deal. But I, I, was, I felt so, this is terrible. I shouldn't even tell you this. Ah, oh, forgive me, God. But I hung up on them, and I didn't want them to think less of me. I didn't want them to think that I had hung up on them. So I hung up on them while I was talking so they would think we just got disconnected. And that's kind of lying, right? That's so deceitful. It's so deceitful. But I didn't know what to do. I felt cornered in this interaction, and they weren't taking any of those normal social hits. Now, some of you are going to use that. I know you're going to use that. And you're going to be like, I came to church, and all I got out of it was another way to sin. Thanks a lot, Patrick. No, I don't. It's not, it's not, the, not the point. But, but what, do we, what do we do? How do we get ourselves out of these interactions where someone's just taking up? Our, we only have so much time. Well... Here's the thing. I, 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 in just about every one of these a- interactions with Jesus, Jesus gave this person his full attention, and then he moved on. 
Hey, healed him, then he moved on. Talked to him, then he moved on. He didn't say, hey, let's hang out. Let's go watch a movie. Let's spend some time together. He interacted with them, and then he moved on. Listen, church, it's okay to have an exit strategy. It's okay to have something else to do. It's okay. Maybe somebody needs more time and attention than you want to give, and maybe you need to sacrifice a little of that, but it's okay to move on from what you're doing. Jesus gave attention to everybody, and then he moved on. It's okay to say, hey, it's been nice talking to you. I'm going to leave. You stay here. I'm going over here. Okay? It's okay to do that. You can do that without feeling like you're being a huge jerk. Just, just say it. Just move on if you've got to move on. Second, uh, second objection some of you are having are, are, are thinking, well, not everyone wants more attention, right? Some, some people in this room, maybe me, give too much attention to people, right? We maybe make people feel uncomfortable because we're just like, right? You know, you've got some personal space and you know those people who you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable talking here, but you're like right here, man. I can, like, some of you are looking at people next to you like, that's you. Get out of my personal space. But there is, there is this problem of maybe a little bit too much attention. And, and maybe you need to back off. Maybe you need to find out what's appropriate. And honestly, there are people in this room where you need to back off a little bit. We have a word for people that give others too much attention. It's called a stalker. That's the word. And maybe you just need to give them some space and some room. Don't ignore them, but maybe you just need to back off a little bit. And you need to be aware of that uh, and accept that if that's the case. And you know how you can figure this out? Maybe you're like, well, I don't know. Maybe I give people. If people are always telling you, you stay here, I'm going to go over here. Or if you're on the phone with people and people are always saying, well, I got to go. It's time for me to go. And you just keep talking. That's you then. You're giving too much time and attention. Not everyone wants more attention. Understand, it needs to be welcome and it needs to be appropriate. Number three, though, the third objection is it's not going to make much difference. It's not going to make much difference. I give people attention. Who cares? They're not going to pay attention. They're not going to matter. It's not going to matter. One of our youth group uh, kids, Logan, who was helping us out with this list, Logan's sitting over here. Can you wave to everybody, Logan? She is, uh, she is a barista at Starbucks uh, at Jerry's. In fact, just down the road. If you ever see Logan at Starbucks at Jerry's, just give her your most complex, complicated order. She would love that. But she was, talking about, she was talking about this, and she was saying, you know, I do try with customers. I try to, like, oh, how are you doing? How is your day? And so, she said so many people will just ignore that, and they just want to get on to their order. No whipped cream, make sure it's decaf. They don't, they don't want that interaction at all. And maybe your interaction, maybe your attention, maybe it won't register with them. Maybe it won't matter. But here's the truth. You don't know that. You don't get to pre-decide that because you don't know. Can I give you an example of, of how we don't know what our time and our attention and our efforts are going to do and how, the, how they're going to impact people around us? This is an incredible story that I want to share with you that just happened uh, earlier this week, last, last Sunday, as a matter of fact. Um, our life group is helping out with a toy drive that some other people in our church have organized. Uh, uh, Robin and, and Paul Maynard, one of our elders and his wife, uh, have helped organize this toy drive for a school. And our life group helped buy some toys for this toy drive. So my wife was sending out an email to our life group uh, saying, hey, remember to bring toys this you know, Tuesday to life group. And life groups are our small groups here at church. Remember to bring your toys this Tuesday. Remember to bring toys. And she used my phone because her phone had died. It's always dying. I can never get a hold of her. But she used my phone, and uh, she's sending out this email, and she's like, what's, what's so-and-so's email address? And I would tell her, what's this other person's? And I would try to tell her, and it's all in my phone. You know, you start typing it in, autofills. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? So she sends out this email. Uh, later on that day, I get an email back, and the email that I get back says, 
who is this? What toy driver are you talking about? What is Life Group? How did you get my email address? And it was somebody from Life Group. No, just kidding. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was some random person. I had no idea who they were. I had never heard of them before. I had no idea how she got their email address onto this group. And I, so I'm looking around. I'm trying to figure out. And I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry. Our life groups are small groups at our church. And we're, I tried to explain. We're helping out with the toy drive. I said, you might get a couple reply alls. If, if that happens, I apologize. But we'll make sure to get you off uh, our mailing list. You know, they seemed a little miffed that they had received this random email from, you know, the world, the universe. And, uh, and so I said, I really apologize. And then I thought, you know, I'm thinking about all this stuff. And I thought, you know what? I need to put a little extra sauce on this email. You know, a little, just put a little, throw a little something out there, right? There's, but, you know, hey, if you're ever looking for a church, you know, I don't know where these people live. They could live in like Zimbabwe. I have no idea, right? They just, just could be anywhere. I have no, no clue where they live. But I was like, if you're ever looking for a church, if you ever, you know, need Jesus, I'm just throwing this out there. You never know what's going to happen, right? Who knows? Send, you know, and nothing happens. Uh, let's see. Must have been a couple days later, maybe Monday or Tuesday, I got, uh, I got an email back from this person. And they're like, oh, it's, you know, it's no problem at all. We actually have a good church we go to. We're not looking for a church, you know, and that's the standard line, you know, get off our case. But they said, we would really love to help out with this toy drive, is there a way that we can get you guys some toys for this toy drive? You know, and, and I was, yeah, yeah, for sure you can get us toys. Out of the blue, this, this incorrect email address that just got sent out happened to be somebody that lives nearby, goes to a church nearby, and this week they came up to the building and brought almost $100 worth of toys to give to this toy drive, a, a wrong email address. Isn't that unbelievable? Now, do you think that's an accident? No, they didn't either. They're like, "Ah, you know, I just can't get out of my mind that God is trying to tell us we should bring you some toys. It was unbelievable. I was so impressed with that story. And so some of the toys that got used this weekend at this toy drive were from this random email address. So the moral of the story is just start sending out emails to people you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. But I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, you don't know how those little small things, even if they seem like mistakes, even if they seem unimportant, you don't know. And so there are no dismissible people. There are no dismissible interactions. Real quick, as we wrap up, I want to advocate three changes for you this week because I don't want you to leave here and not change anything. Three changes. Number one, stop allowing yourself, or yourself to be pulled from the people in front of you by mindless and less important distractions. Okay? Just do it. Put the stupid phone down. Put it down. Maybe we should have a policy. We, here in Minnesota, we take our shoes off when we go into a house, right? Because all the snow and mud. Maybe we should put our phones in a bucket when we go into a house. Just put them down. It can't be more important than the people around you, right? I'm preaching to myself, church. It can't be more important. Put it down. Put the computer down. Shut the TV off. I mean, don't pay more attention to this stupid stuff that doesn't matter. Kids, don't say stupid. I'm going to get in trouble for that later. Don't pay more attention to this stuff that doesn't matter than the people who are right in front of you. Secondly, pause and ask yourself, is this a person or a situation that could use just a higher 
level of engagement from me, a higher level of attention. It may just be a barista. It may just be a clerk. It may just be another stranger standing in line. But is this a person? Is this an interaction that could just use a little more? Or am I just trying to get out of this as quickly as possible? And number three, this is going to be, this might be tough for some of us, but if possible, if appropriate, inject faith, your spiritual life, into these interactions. You don't know. You don't know what God can do. You don't know what God is doing. You don't know if you're standing in line next to that person for a reason or not. But inject your relationship with God into these interactions. What might change? What might change if kids got more than our half-hearted attention? What might change if our spouse got more than just us kind of disengaged, sort of engaged? What might change if I stopped telling my wife, wait, what did you say? Or I wasn't listening. What, what might change? What might happen if, if even those just regular interactions with strangers got a little bit more of our time and attention? That's my challenge for you this week, is to pay attention to people like Jesus did, to give them your, your engagement, to give them your attention. There are no dismissible people. There are no dismissible interactions. I'm going to ask one of our elders to come up, Dale, I believe, or Dave looks like he's going to come up instead, um, to come up and, uh, and close us out with a word of prayer. Um, but I, I want you to be thinking about this too, because this is something that I did this week, and I was praying for those interactions. I was praying for those moments where I'm tempted to just pass somebody by, and God brought me some, including the email, including some other things that I'll share with you in a future sermon, but be praying for those moments to engage people with your time and attention and with Christ. Dave? And his lovely wife. And I guess we should say Jerry and Dodie, too. You never know when you're going to come up in a sermon one of these days. <laughs> <laughs>